and let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are the joy giver and we pray that we would learn to seek and to find our joys in you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this is a sermon about joy in the Lord. Uh, Psalm 126, that first reading, evokes joy, I think, beautifully. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. A good thing happens. Perhaps an especially wonderful, especially unexpected thing. And something fills us. It bubbles up in us. The psalm describes the joy that came when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion. That is... When God put Jerusalem, the city built on Mount Zion, back on its feet. Perhaps this is a psalm that reflects on the return of the exiles after Babylon had destroyed the city of Jerusalem 60 years before. The people of Judah were sent into exile, but 60 years later, miraculously almost, they returned. It was 537 BC was an amazing reversal of fortune for the Jewish people and for their capital city, Jerusalem. And this psalm may well recall the joy, the the shocking, unexpected jubilation of that unlikely restoration. We were like those who dreamed. It seemed unreal. We were in a fantastic world where things we couldn't contemplate had happened. Our mouths were filled with laughter. It welled up spontaneously from our overflowing hearts. Our tongues with songs of joy. We whooped and called and sang our songs. We all know that lovely thing that's being described there in this psalm, joy. We may have had it in large or small doses, perhaps as we swim in the cool ocean on a sunny day. Perhaps as we eat dessert and drink in the glad faces of our friends around the table. Perhaps as we watch our child or grandchild succeed in something they love. Perhaps as we reach a goal that we've been working for for a long time. Perhaps as we announce our engagement to friends and family, we can rejoice. We can take joy in many good things which are the gift of God to us. But we also know that such joys can be elusive. They pass away. We get cold as we swim. The wind comes up and a shadow passes below us and we fear a shark and suddenly there's no joy there at all. It evaporates in a moment. We can become kind of incapable of joy, worn down with fatigue and anxiety, distracted by griefs and fears, dulled by doubts and pains. God is the joy giver. Barnabas and Paul say this to a crowd in Lystra as they travel around Asia Minor as missionaries. They say to them, God has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops in their seasons. He provides you with plenty of food and fills your hearts with joy. God is the joy giver. 
And God gives us joy not only in the good things of this world, which we can enjoy, but even more wonderfully, he gives us joy in the good things of a coming world. 1 Peter 1, verses 3 and 4 from our epistle. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. The joys of this world perish. They spoil and fade. We can't hold on to them. This world is passing away. We are dust. We return to dust. This feature of our world is part of the judgment of God upon our sin. And one response to this, this passing away of all our joys, is to cultivate detachment from them. Not to hold on to what is passing and fleeting. Not to desire or to engage with this dust turning to dust. This is the approach of many Eastern philosophies, and it may well make sense without God. But God is not only the creator, he is also the redeemer and the restorer of his creation. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The resurrection of Jesus denies that all is passing away, that all is fleeting. The resurrection of Jesus is the escape from the perishing, spoiling and fading world. It is the end of grief and the beginning of the reign of joy. Jesus said in John, um, our gospel reading, a woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. When her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you. Now is your time of grief. But I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. Jesus is talking about his going away to his death. That's when his disciples won't see him anymore. But he will return in his resurrection And so, in a little while, you will see me no more. And then, after a little while, you will see me. The very best gift of God's coming world is Jesus himself. You will see me. He is God with us. And when we see him, we have all we need for human joy. You might think that... The best thing in the coming world would be imperishable bodies, reunion with loved ones, the glorious city, the new Jerusalem, the fruit of the tree of life. I don't know what else you'd hope will be there. Endless, perfect surf, you know, fantastic restaurants to eat at. I imagine there will be joy in these things of the new creation in whatever indescribable form they take, but there will be more joy for us in seeing Christ and being with him. For in being with him, we are with with God. And even now, 
we anticipate this. Peter writes, though you have not seen him, you have not seen Jesus, but you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So even if we haven't come face to face yet with Jesus, those who believe in him have encountered him somehow. People encounter Jesus in, well, in reading the Gospels. It's not just that he's a character in the story, but that Jesus steps out of the book somehow and confronts you and touches your heart and addresses you, or that God addresses you in Christ. People encounter Jesus in hearing sermons telling about him, that it becomes a word from God, an arresting, compelling address from God. From Christ. People encounter Jesus in dreams, not so much perhaps here in this country, but in other parts of the world. In all this, Jesus comes to us in an inner way. He comes to our hearts by his Spirit, and we believe in him. We love him, and we rejoice in him. He to us is a source of joy. Now, if you haven't got that far, if what I'm saying to you is not familiar, you have no idea what I'm talking about really, then ask yourself, am I I a Christian? Do I believe in Jesus? Do I know him? Do I love him? Has he come to me? Have I responded to him? But this love, this joy, this belief in Christ is the heart of what it is to be a Christian, and it brings its joy. Now, this need not be kind of gushy and demonstrative. It may be quiet, but it is real. We Christians rejoice in the Lord. We rejoice in the Lord. But this does not mean that being a Christian is always big smiles and joy, joy, joy. That is not the case either. 1 Peter 1, 6. In all this you greatly rejoice, this salvation in Christ, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. For as well as having reasons for joy in knowing the Lord, we also have reasons for grief. And our trials may be severe. Ongoing disadvantage, ongoing illness, betrayals and wounds, enemies and opponents, losses and hardships of every kind. These hurt us and they wear us down. They test our faith and stoke our doubts. And in themselves they are anti-joy. And we can only take any joy in them on the basis that we trust God will make them somehow productive. Psalm 126 lays out this prophetic hope, the hope that those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. Weeping and sowing for a harvest are somehow bound together. 
and they are followed in the end by songs of joy and arms full of a harvest of sheaves. Jesus said a woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come, but when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice. Pains of the Christian are like labour pains. They're nothing good in themselves, but they are part of bringing forth new life. Peter said, these trials have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. The fires that you must endure, you and I, will result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. And so we Christians have a quality to cultivate in our hearts, in our lives, the quality of joy in the Lord. Paul exalted the Philippian Christians, rejoice in the Lord. I will say it again, rejoice. How can we learn to rejoice in the Lord? When we have not seen him and do not see him now, and we may need to suffer grief in many kinds of trials. Well, I hope I've given you some reasons for remembering and cultivating joy, but let me give you some suggestions for how this might become part of the structure of your life, the discipline of cultivating joy. Firstly, rest. If we are worn down and harassed by endless demands on our time and energy, joy is going to find it hard to make its way into our lives. God intends us to both work and to rest, to stop, to make space in our lives, space for his joy to find us. Rest. Secondly, confess. Sin, unacknowledged and unconfessed, will rob us of our joy. Our sin is a burden we must be rid of if we are to rejoice in the Lord. And so, name your guilty secrets before God and turn away from them. Ask God's forgiveness and cleansing. Part of the great penitential psalm, Psalm 51, is David's plea to God, Restore unto me the joy of your salvation. Because because of my guilt and sin, I haven't got it. So rest, confess. Thirdly, contemplate. Contemplate the reasons you have for joy. Not just the things of this life that you can rejoice in, although I hope that there are many of those. But the inheritance that we have if we are God's children through faith in Jesus Christ. The inheritance kept in heaven for us that can never perish, spoil or fade. The inheritance that we are even now receiving and rejoicing in. A share in eternal life. Now there are some things that are going to help you with that contemplation. A habit of reading the Bible for yourself. That's going to help you. It's going to bring you in regular contact with the word that holds these promises out to you. A habit of coming to church is going to do the same thing. Music and song, I think, we're going to talk about joy, have a special place here. 
Music and song can help us to contemplate our reasons for joy. Just to sing is to drink in those words and to take them upon our own lips in a way that can suggest celebration, rejoicing. There's nothing like song, the right kind of song, to promote joy. And that leads neatly to my fourth thing. Rest, confess, contemplate and praise. Offering praise to God can be the catalyst for joy as well as the expression of joy. When we take up uh, words and songs of praise, this in itself may move us from the contemplation of what reasons we have to rejoice to rejoicing itself. These four suggestions, rest, confess, contemplate and praise, are tied together by this. They are all aspects of engaging with God, of seeking joy in him and from him by engaging with him, acknowledging that he is the giver of our joys and asking him to give them to us, to restore our joy to us. So, even as we suffer grief in all kinds of trials, we turn to God in hope and we pray, in the words of the psalmist, restore our fortunes, Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. The Lord has done great things for us. And we are filled with joy. Let's pray. Father, help us to stop and rest. To clear away those things which might stop us coming openly and happily to you. There are is guilt that robs us of our joy. Help us to be rid of it, to lay it at your cross and know your forgiveness. Help us to contemplate the reasons we have for joy and to find them, especially in Jesus Christ. Help us to keep coming back and meditating on those things and and feeling their reality and their goodness and so that we really will know and feel that you have done great things for us and so that we will be filled with joy, especially as we approach Christmas. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.